Hello and welcome to the Ice Guy, brought to you by the National Hockey Now Network. This is the show that takes you into the world of the National Hockey League. Every game, every day, from a betting perspective. With pro sports handicappers, Ian Cameron, Alex Beesman, and various guests from the world of hockey and sports betting. And now, here's your host, Ian Cameron. Welcome to the Ice Guys, presented by National Hockey Now, Saturday, May 20th. Ian Cameron and Alex B. Smith with you on this uh, Saturday. Uh, Kevin Beach uh, family uh, stopped going on today, so he'll be back during the week. Uh, that's why he was with us on Wednesday when we did our conference finals preview. But good to have Alex back. Uh, Alex, it's been a while. Uh, how was the uh, Chicago uh, time back there with mom and uh, everybody back there flying back home? And now you're back home safe in Minnesota. How's things with you? Yeah, great. Uh, you know, it's been been uh, interesting the last couple of days. We've had, you know, a long overtime and then a short overtime in the last two games. So uh was uh, certainly tired, you know, flying home and then trying to watch that four-overtime uh, marathon. But uh, just, you know, good hockey all, all the way around. And, and last night was a, no exception as well. There was a, a fun game between Vegas and Dallas. Uh, off to a nice start once again in, in a, a Dallas series. I have uh, Vegas to win game one. Uh, on a, a money line, but I also have Vegas to win game one and Dallas to win the series at plus 400. So we're uh, on the right track there. And of course, now waiting for game two of uh, Carolina and Florida. Like I said, it's just been such an odd series heading into it because nobody in the world thought these two teams would be meeting up in the conference final. But uh, it's definitely going to be an interesting series based on what we've seen now in the first, what, seven periods of hockey that we've watched. Yeah, no doubt. It's going to be, that's a fascinating watch tonight in game two of the uh, Eastern Conference Finals with Florida and Carolina. How do both teams uh, come back uh, tonight less than 48 hours after one of the longest games they'll ever play? Uh, that's going to be a great thing to uh, dissect here uh, on the uh, show today and watch play out tonight in game two down in uh, Kakalaki. Uh, before we get into all the hockey action on the ice, including recapping last night, and we'll, of course, preview both games this weekend. Today on the show, as usual, uh, for the rest of the season, we're moving forward without a show on Sundays uh, for the rest of the season. So we're going to do everything. We're going to have you covered wall to wall with the weekend action. We'll do game two, Carolina, Florida and Dallas, Vegas uh, on the uh, show today. Uh, and then we'll be back, of course, on Monday. Before we get into the action on the ice, I have to talk about some action off the ice. And man, it was some action yesterday down at the uh, press conference uh, media area for the uh, Toronto Maple Leafs. I mean, you talk about a soap opera that's developing and a shit show that's unfolding right now. I, like we were just, we were wrapping up the Friday show just as Brendan Shanahan's press conference started. And keep in mind, this is a guy that has not been seen and not been heard from for months. Like you, you basically needed to put out an APB on Brendan Shanahan. That is how much he was staying out of the spotlight uh, all these months here with the uh, Toronto Maple Leafs. And yesterday, I couldn't believe what I was hearing, that I was hearing someone that was that truthful and forthright and honest and open to the public, to the media, to the fan base, to everybody. This is a team that basically says shit to the fans uh, about stuff that's going on, especially behind the scenes. And here's Brendan Shanahan basically you giving you a day-by-day, hour-by-hour timeline of his interactions with Kyle Dubas. Uh, this week, leading to the decision that he was not going to retain Kyle Dubas as the general manager of the Toronto Maple Leafs. I mean, and it was surprising to hear just exactly how it went down. The Leafs had already committed, apparently, this is Brendan Shanahan's version. I'd love to hear Kyle's story, and we'll 
because again, when you hear it from Brandon's Brendan's point of view, you know, let's calm down and let's see if uh, what Dubas says when he finally speaks about this. But Brandon Shannon said they were going to offer him a contract extension, basically that hey, we weren't we did, weren't going to resign him and we weren't going to extend him prior to this season. It was the last year of his contract. He knew he was without a contract. He said, "We want to see how you do. We want to see how the season goes." Trade deadline comes around. Brendan Shanahan loves the moves Dubas made. And I think a lot of people did. O'Reilly and McCabe and Shen. And he made a lot of great moves. And at that moment, Brendan Shanahan said, I think I'm ready to move forward with you long term as the general manager of the Toronto Maple Leafs. And he already had it in his mind right then, trade deadline, that he was going to bring Kyle Dubas back. Um, and then, of course, the playoffs begin. They beat Tampa Bay. And then it's looking even more like he wants Dubas back. They finally get that first round monkey. Uh, off their back and, and win a first round playoff series. And then of course, things just went completely down the drain in the second round against Florida, almost pretty much wiping out all the goodwill and all the good vibes and all the positivity stemming from the Tampa Bay series win the first series win for the franchise in 19 years, basically down the pisser in five games later after losing to the Florida Panthers uh, in the second round. So, you know, but at the same time, Brennan Shannon was thinking about it, was still mulling the decision in his mind, and he had still set made up his mind apparently after they got ousted last Friday. It was a week ago today they uh, got bounced by Florida that he was ready to bring Kyle Dubas back. And apparently they talked Sunday uh, last weekend, and he said, I, I want to bring you back. We're going to you know, finalize the details, get the contract sent to you, and you can sign it if you want back. And apparently Dubas said, yeah, I'm, uh, I'm excited at that, and I'm ready to return. And that's that. Apparently, he said nothing about some of the personal stress and the mental stress he was going through on in the conversation last Sunday with Shanahan, who apparently was taken totally aback that Kyle Dubas on Monday during the Leafs media availability decided to speak to the media. Apparently, Brennan Shannon did not expect that, did not know Dubas was going to do that. And apparently, he had said to Dubas on Sunday, you know, while you're mulling this contract decision, you know, if you... Take the Monday off. Don't talk to the media. Or I prefer you not to talk to the media, apparently, is what Brendan Shanahan was hinting at last Sunday with Kyle. So not only did Kyle not listen to the, those words, he did talk to the media. And that's when we heard him on Monday just talking about the stress on his family. And he's got to think things over a little bit. And it was just a trying season. It was stressful on him. And it was, you know, a lot, apparently, a big burden on his family, a lot of emotional stress. Uh, which brings up maybe mental health again, you know, that definitely like that's a stressful fucking job. Let's be real. It's the Toronto Maple Leafs. It's a team with a boatload of pressure every year to win. And you've been feeling this pressure as a GM there for seven years, only winning one playoff round. Yeah, you're going to feel the pressure. Uh, there's no question. You're going to be scrutinized like you can't fucking believe. Uh, but at that moment, that's what took Brendan Shannon. And I think Brendan said yesterday, that's when he started to sense that, hey, maybe Kyle doesn't want to be back. Or maybe Kyle's not in the right mental frame of mind to be back as the GM of the Toronto Maple Leafs based on what he said, all the stress and all the anguish and all the mental you know, and emotional toll that this job this season in particular had on not only Kyle Dubas but his family. So that was Monday, but apparently you know, they talked throughout the week. Tuesday went by, Wednesday went by, uh, and Brendan Shanahan still apparently when they talked Thursday – was ready to give him that contract and say, you know what? Uh, we still would like to have you here as the uh, Leaf GM. 
Um, but again, the days went by. Kyle was quiet. He didn't really say anything what he was going to do. But they talked Thursday. Brennan said, we still want you back and gave him that contract you know, uh, offer, sent it to Kyle. So Kyle emails back. He says, I'm in. I'm ready. So on Thursday, it's looking like, all right, this is fed accompli. Brennan wants Kyle back. Kyle wants to be back, apparently, even with those concerns about how this job has taken a toll from him. But then the bombshell happens after, where apparently after Kyle gives, sends the email to Brendan Shanahan saying, I'm in, I'm ready to return. Apparently, not long after that, there's another email from Kyle with a, basically a quotation or documentation from his agent saying, oh, well, okay, my, my client Kyle Dubas wants to be back as the GM, but but we're going to adjust the contract a little bit, a little more money, a little more incentive, maybe a little more power, maybe a little bit yeah, in the upper management or of the maybe who knows, but maybe he was offered more power, an even bigger role, more money. But Kyle apparently and his agent came back to Shanahan after Kyle said, yeah, I'm in, I want to be back. And apparently there was a much bigger gap in money. And whatever incentives, money, power. But anyway, Kyle asked for apparently a lot more than he had already had uh, with the team. And to me, and if you hear Brendan say that I came back and that there was a wider gap in the in the financials, and that and then we had a brief conversation, and that's when I kind of made the decision we were going to go in a different direction. So that is staggering, and staggering that he said that all publicly to everybody. That basically Kyle Dubas got fucking either the translation is Kyle Dubas got fucking greedy in Brendan <laughs> Shannon's guys and said, and, and it basically it was, we got a deal. You're going to be back. I thought you did a great job. You did. And you've been my guy all these years. You, even though we, it was a second round loss, you did everything in your power to give us this good roster. I want you back. And then it was almost like, well, hold on now. And the fact that he said it was a brief conversation, you know what? End, uh, how it probably ended up going? He's like, I want you back. But then he's looking at that email from Kyle's agent, says, oh, well, hold on now. If Kyle's going to be back, I want this. I want this. I want this. And that's when Shanahan said, all right, I've been waiting. You've been cooling your heels for days. You, you, you know, you will talk to the media, and I didn't want you to uh, on Monday, or I advised you maybe not to talk to the media Monday. Uh, I advised you not to do that. And now all of a sudden you're coming back to me now with this, this, you want some extra shit now that you want. And he's like, all right, get fuck that. We're done. Get out. You're, you're done. Uh, th that's honestly what I think something like that or close to it is how it went down. And to me, he could say all he want. That's that, it was, you know, that Kyle's great. Uh, there's no hard feelings or anything like that. You are not that blunt. Okay. You are never, ever that truthful. And you're not giving us a minute by minute, hour by hour, day by day timeline of your interaction with Kyle Dubas. If you're not upset with the way things transpired, particularly on his end. Okay. And I think that's what, that's when Brennan Shanahan made that decision that we're going to go in a different direction. We're going to hire a new GM. And that is just, you know, he obviously and his agent asked for something and Brendan Shanahan balked at it and said, you know what, that's it. You know, not a chance you're getting that shit. Not a chance that whatever it is he was asking for in the new contract, not a chance you're getting it. We're done. This is it. You know, this is the last drop. Adios. Thanks for everything you've done. But we're moving on. And I think that's exactly how it uh, went. Um, but Jimmy, as he mentioned yesterday, you know, when don't aren't you supposed to have a little bit of I, I what be a little bit sympathetic if someone's basically pouring their soul out Monday 
uh, in a press conference with mental struggles and emotional struggles and maybe try to help them through that. Maybe he just thinks, too, that not only with the extra demands, but this is a guy that may not be in the right frame. Like, if you're going to be the Leafs GM, you got to be on the ball. You got to be sharp. You got to be mentally locked in. You can't be, you know, unfortunately in a situation where you're you're stressed and the stress is going to show up in your work. I know it. I know it as a handicapper. If I'm in a bad losing streak, you know, the stress is going to show up in my work that it's things aren't going well uh, right now. And I got to take some time off. Uh, there's no question. So while I understand what Jimmy's saying, for a team that just completely advertises we care about mental health and helping people in these situations. It doesn't look like you're helping Kyle Dubas, right? You basically canned him, you know, here with this. But at the same time, being a general manager, man, it requires you to be sharp mentally. It requires you to be ultra razor focused. And you almost have to have that steely resolve. And if you've got these emotional and mental struggles and baggage that maybe Kyle does, especially the built up after last year, maybe Brendan also felt you can't perform at your best. And if you can't perform at your best on the job, we were going to have to find someone that can. So that's the way it went. It was just surprising to hear someone that, you know, open to the public and the media about the timeline and all the talk back and forth behind the scenes between Dubas and Janet. I've never, I rarely have I heard a press conference like that. I'm like, what the fuck? This is actually, I'm actually hearing the gory, juicy details of everything that happened like this. I mean, my goodness, I I was taken aback by it, but here we are now. Uh, the Leafs, as if they haven't don't have enough to deal with, with all the free agents, all the people they've got to re-sign. They've got to worry about Matthews and Nylander who are coming up for new deals next year. They got to worry about all this shit. Oh, and now on top of it, they got to find a new GM to conduct all this business. So wow, talk about uh, uh, just an absolute merry-go-round and an absolute you know, it's just a, a whirlwind right now for this Toronto Maple Leafs team, and they better hustle. And Brendan Shanahan better hustle in terms of getting a general manager in here because this GM, whoever it is, you talk about a fucking shit ton of things to get done. That I can't even, I can't even say it loudly enough how much shit this new GM, whoever the fuck it is, has to get done for this Toronto Maple Leafs team because they've got like 100 things on the to-do list to get done before July 1st, if possible. So... Uh, that is also the drawback of parting with Dubas. Now you got to scramble, mad scramble, to get this GM search going and try to conduct it quickly, thoroughly, but also efficiently and make sure you get it right and make sure you get the guy in here you want and you think is going to do a good job. So crazy stuff yesterday, a bombshell essentially down uh, in Toronto after that Brendan Shanahan presser, Alex. And uh, just I've never heard anything like it. Someone that truthful spilling the guts to the media about everything that happened behind the scenes, all the conversations, all the chats, all the negotiation. It was, wow, I can't believe I heard that publicly. Yeah, yeah. It, it, like I said, it's rare that we get to you know find those details out firsthand uh, with negotiations in, in any sport or really any kind of business, to be honest. But I think also that might be slight hyperbole in the sense of it might have saved Kyle Dubas from, you know, possibly getting a job elsewhere in the future. I think that, you know, it is more toward the fact that, you know, he, you know, who knows what kind of uh, shit he's had to deal with off ice with, you know, getting messages and emails and like I said, you know, having, having a family. And when you have this kind of a high pressure job and that high pressure of a city and the franchise, it, it probably, you know, he had to really kind of sit and, and, and reevaluate things and, and realize, you know, 
just how much is this costing him personally? Not not so much, you know, just is it's a job, but just except your 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 mental well-being. And I think maybe that was the the breaking point. I don't think it was necessarily, you know, what everything that Shanahan said. I think Shanahan may be using that money cover-up and, and negotiations cover-up to just kind of say that, you know what, he needed the mental break. But rather than say that and, and you know, kind of blackball him to the point where he may not get another GM look for quite some time or anything, they just said, oh, we, we couldn't come to terms on, on money or something else. That's a little bit easier to, to say than saying, because like I said, that's a bad look if you say, oh, you know, his, his mental health's bad, so we're firing him. Even though that that's, that's I mean, it is technically grounds for termination because, like I said, if you can't deliver with the job you're doing, you have to make changes. But I, I think that's more of what we're seeing from, from this. And I think that's the reason why we've heard all the details in uh, such detail. So, you know, it, it, it's a tough spot for the Leafs, like I said, especially, you know, when you're looking for a GM and we're talking about, you know, what, a month away from the draft, uh, a bunch of free agents you've got to resolve. It's a tough spot, but like I said, I think they still got enough people in front with Shanahan at the, at the helm to at least you know know where they want to go directionally uh, in the next month, month and a half, and they can get somebody in there, even if it's somewhat temporary. They'll be able to get somebody in the, to to fill that spot. But like I said, that's a, a big task to fill, especially for whoever gets that full time role being the GM in Toronto. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And like I say, they got to move on this quickly. Uh, there's no question. And I believe Kyle Dubas, 1,000%, I believe him when he says he's been put through the ringer mentally and emotionally this year. I totally believe him when he says that uh, on Monday. Uh, and I believe it when he says his family's felt some of it, like especially with social media around. You don't think Kyle Dubas doesn't read the odd tweet with the, the people that don't like the job he did? I'm sure, sure. he does. I'm sure the family does. And that's obviously a, a, a wound to the to the soul. When you're seeing, you know, someone ripping on you or ripping on your husband in the case of Mrs. Dubas, you know, it's not fun. It's not fun. And I believe him when he said he and his family just felt mentally and emotionally burned out uh, after this season. And you know how I believe why I believe him. Do you remember the incident in Tampa Bay during the first round? Kyle Dubas in the press box, yep. beat, you know, going back and forth and, uh, you know, uh, going back and forth with one of the fans there. Apparently one of the fans said something that, that he didn't like about a player, maybe about him. And instead of Dubas ignoring it, and I'm sure a lot of GMs probably would just ah, ignore, it's just some fan heckling you. He went right back at the fan and yelling at him and pointing at him from the press box. That tells me that's a guy that's feeling stress. Right. You don't think yeah. that's a guy that's feeling stress when he's doing something like that. <laughs> you better believe it when he, when he's when cause a lot of, a lot of people in his position would just a hey, brush it off and, you know, just ignore it and just, you know, who the hell cares what that guy thinks or says. But Kyle Dubas went right back at him. And we saw the footage of it uh, during that Tampa Bay series. There's no doubt he was feeling some fucking stress. There's no doubt. I believe him fully. And I'm sure his family as well. So uh, surprising to hear it end that way. But all of a sudden, a new GM uh, is going to have to uh, end up being uh, to Toronto. And who's it going to be? I know Mark Hunter's in the mix. Brad Tree Living apparently is going to get a look. Uh, and there's a bunch of others as well, so we'll see. Stan Bowman. Stan Bowman, I don't know if that's the best fit for Toronto and Alex. I don't think it is, but he might pop up somewhere. We're hearing his name, hearing Joe Quinville's name, keep popping up in different things. Can you imagine that, Bowman and Quinville, the Leafs? Because, again, the new GM's going to want his own guy. Bowman gets hired. Bowman brings Quinville in. Wouldn't shock me one bit. Toronto Blackhawks coming up here next year. We'll never know. Uh, but all right, we'll see how that goes. Um, last night, uh, another overtime game. And I said on Twitter, um, 
how many overtimes tonight? Well, after four overtimes on Thursday night, we got an overtime that felt like four seconds uh, last night with uh, Vegas and Dallas. Vegas with the overtime win, 4-3 uh, over the uh, Dallas Stars. Uh, I'll tell you what, Vegas was the better team last night for much of that, C- certainly in the first period. Um, I, it was stunning to me that that first period was one nothing Dallas, and I'm still upset by that because – and I'm, I'm frustrated because I, I like Vegas from a side perspective in game one last night, but I didn't bet it the right way. I had the first period and only the first period uh, on the uh, Vegas Golden Knights last night at that plus 175, the Vegas first period puck line. And I thought I deserved to win that because I thought they were the much better team in the first period. Uh, Eichel got robbed on a breakaway uh, by Jake Ottinger. He had made some big saves. Uh, Vegas was swarming Dallas in that first period. And of course, a late goal by Dallas and just a meaning, uh, just a harmless shot that ended up getting tipped in by Jason Robertson, and man, that's got to be a good sign for Dallas moving forward. That Jason, I know it was a tip goal. It was, you know, it was not the most prettiest goal from a guy that's got great skill, but just any goal, any puck going in for Jason Robertson's got to feel good for him with how tough these playoffs have been for uh, him so far. But uh, yeah, Vegas was very, very, uh, it was hard luck. It was tough luck that they were down one nothing after the first period, but they stuck with it. Uh, obviously, they ended up getting that game tied. They ended up taking the lead two to one. Uh, early in the third, Dallas came right back and tied it. And then Vegas got the uh, go-ahead goal after that uh, from Teddy Bluger, 3-2. And it looked like they were going to hold on for the win. But Jamie Benn, with the extra attacker, uh, ends up tying it 3-3. And that's the good news. Even though uh, the first period uh, look on Vegas fell short, uh, we ended up cashing the draw. We got in on that small. And shout out to Jimmy Murphy, who had that as his best bet on the show yesterday, the draw uh, with Vegas-Dallas. And... I also had over five and a half, and look, that didn't look good at one point uh, in the game, but we got there uh, with the over. Uh, it cashed uh, thanks to that tying goal and make it 3-3 and force overtime. And then, of course, Brett Howden on a – I'm shocked Eichel didn't score just a second before that. But then Brett Howden just the, the noticing that Jake Ottinger was scrambling you know, in the crease there and just said, I'm putting this puck to the net. I'm going to see if I can bounce it off. Ottinger and bank it off him and into the net. He tried it and it worked. Uh, Ottinger was scrambling. He lost his goal stick in the process of trying to find where that puck was. And Brett Howden banks it in off Jake Ottinger for the game winner. And Vegas ends up with game one uh, and taking game one to get a one nothing series lead. Now, before Vegas Golden Knights fans get too excited and too happy, let's caution you that Dallas lost game one against Minnesota and won the series. Dallas lost game one against Seattle and won the series. So obviously this thing is a long way away from being over. It's only one game and Dallas has shown that ability to not let a game one loss uh, shake them uh, all to all that much. And keep in mind too, uh, with uh, Dallas as well going, uh, but I will say this about Dallas, even though that's true, Vegas ain't Seattle, Vegas ain't Minnesota. Okay, this is going to be, this is a, you're talking about a much better team, in my opinion. Ah, maybe much as strong, but a, a, a solid, a, a better team for sure. Vegas compared to Seattle and Minnesota. So um, it will be a taller challenge to erase this one nothing deficit compared to the last two rounds. That's what I'm trying to say for the uh, Dallas Stars. Alex, what did you think of last night? Yeah, I mean, I, I loved it. Like I said, it, you know, going into the series, and I know I haven't, you know, been on in a couple of days, so I didn't really talk much about what I liked in this series necessarily. But one of the things I, I played 
was Vegas to win game one, Dallas to win the series. I, I played that double chance at plus 400. So we're off to a good start there. And, and it was based on the fact, not about how Dallas had lost the last two game ones, but necessarily how they had lost the first road game in each of the last two series. So that was the angle that I was kind of playing uh, in, in fading Dallas. And, and, and I'm happy with the way they lost, if that if that makes any sense. It wasn't a game they got completely crushed. It wasn't a game where Odger looked bad. It was, you know, just some tough goals and, and, and calls could have gone their way. Uh, and it just didn't. And that's what I want to see now backing Dallas in this series. Of course, having Dallas Futures, this is a perfect spot for Dallas to bounce back. Uh, if you haven't jumped in on, on Dallas series price at all now, you can grab that. I'm seeing as high as plus 175. I think this is the perfect spot for Dallas. I think this is going to be a zigzag kind of a series early. And then we'll see. Dallas pull away late. So, uh, so far, so good from the from the betting aspect. And uh, like I said, seeing uh, Robertson get on the board, that's huge for Dallas because if he can get hot now in this series, uh, you know, maybe take a little bit of pressure off a hint to Pavelski and fill in and, and all three of them can kind of get into a rhythm with Ottinger playing well. That's the nucleus you're going to need to to win this series and, and win another series to get the cup. So uh, that, that's a good sign for Dallas. So it's not the worst loss for Dallas. Uh, you know, glad that I was able to cash and get half of a uh, of that future already in the in the books now. So now I'm just hoping for Dallas to bounce back, and it's going to be a, a good fun series. Yeah, it definitely is. Both of these series still could be uh, lengthy and could be uh, very very entertaining and highly competitive, uh, no doubt. Uh, and uh, looking forward to seeing the game two uh, matchups this weekend in both the Eastern and Western Conference Final. And we will get into the matchups themselves coming up in just a moment. 69 live viewers hit the like button. Shout out to our podcast listeners as well. We're coming back to tee up the weekend action, starting with Game 2 of the Eastern Conference Finals tonight. Florida and Carolina. We'll talk about it right after we hear from Gramco. Support for the Ice Gas is brought to you by Gramco. Whether you or your team's game is on the field, screen, racetrack, court, or the ice, Gramco is for the game. Grown by farmers who spent years developing premium hemp genetics, Gramco provides customers with consistent quality Delta 8 THC products ready for any occasion. Gramco currently offers numerous Delta 8 products, including vape cartridges, disposable vapes, pre-rolls, gummies, wake-and-bake coffee, and more. Gramco offers an enjoyable, legal high delivered discreetly and directly to you. Gramco is also available at many American retailers as well. You can get the best Delta cannabis products on the market shipped quickly and discreetly from Gramco. And if you visit www.thegramco.com, use promo code ICEGUYS, you will get 20% off of every order. And any order that's on the site over $50 will be shipped free with standard shipping. So live elevated with Gramco and check out their wonderful Delta 8 products today. All right, it is time uh, for uh, our breakdowns here of the uh, weekend matchups here, Game 2. And we will begin tonight with the uh, Saturday night matchup, Florida Panthers, Carolina Hurricanes, Carolina leading, or Florida rather, leading the series 1-0 after that four-overtime game winner, courtesy of Matthew Kachuk. Uh, we've got Carolina minus 150 here, home favorites in Game 2. Uh, total 5.5 in this one, so actually laying a bigger price, Carolina here in game two and sometimes you see that you see that in the nba too where a team that loses game one at home in a playoff series in game two they're laying more points in this case carolina lost game one at home they're laying a bigger price now 
uh, here in game two. And the, it's the bounce back theory. It's the desperation theory. It's that you can't go down two nothing at home and feel you've got a great chance to win this series. Uh, and that's probably the case tonight for the uh, Carolina Hurricanes in this one. Now we know the tax that the four overtime game had on both of these teams and the minutes that they all had to play. And the question you've got to ask yourself here is who is feeling it more? You know, the team that won or the team that lost the team that won Florida, obviously, you know, huge that they got that win, but Carolina, when you play that long and you don't win that game, it ends up being extremely difficult, you know, to try to bounce back. Here's why I think there could be a little bit of an advantage here for the Carolina Hurricanes tonight. Just in, It depends on their mental frame of mind, right? The emotions of it. Because that is that is so crippling to lose like that. You're playing for seven periods of hockey, and you don't win that game. That is tough. And for the Hurricanes players, you've got to pick yourself up off that mat and find a way to just bring your A game tonight here in game two when you're tired, you're mentally and emotionally shot after that game because you lost it. You got to find a way to pick yourself up. And Rod Brindamore's got to try to pick the troops up, you know, and he's the kind of coach I could see him succeeding with that, though. He's very even keeled. He's very matter of fact, you know, and he's been through these playoff wars before. I'm pretty damn sure as a player, Rod Brindamore lost a few playoff overtime heartbreakers. Pretty damn confident in, in saying that. So if anyone knows what they're going through, you know, it's Rod Brindamore. So I am not saying that that, I think if you're handicapping this game and you're taking Florida and it's all because you think Carolina's just totally disheveled after game one, you got to find another reason, I think, than just that. I think Carolina, they'll pick themselves up. They've got Jordan Stahl, who's been around forever as the captain. You know, they've got uh, a blue line that's very veteran, very experienced. You know, I think they're. I think they can overcome the disappointment, the anguish, the mental and emotional toll game one took on them uh, in uh, that loss. So I think they'll be better off for it. The thing that would concern me for Florida is they had a couple of their more than a couple. They had three Alex of their key best blue liners. They are. They're probably the three best blue liners they have: Gustav Forsling, Brandon Montour, and Aaron Ekblad. Do you know how many minutes they played uh, in game one? Aaron Ekblad, 52 minutes. Brandon Montour, 57 minutes, almost 58 minutes of ice time in game one, in that four overtime game. Gus Forsling, 55 minutes and 41 seconds. That's probably, that's Ekblad and Montour by far are their top two defensemen. I think Ekblad, I put him probably three, four at worst case scenario. You know, you could obviously throw maybe Gudis into that, but I think Forslings can do a little bit more at both ends of the ice than Gudis. So I still say Forslings probably their third best defenseman. They all played 55 minutes or more uh, in game one. That is a huge amount of ice time. And you talk about a, a, the fatigue factor going into game two tonight. It may not get any stronger than what you've got for those three guys. And that concerns me. They're all blue liners. And you've got to be mentally sharp. you got to be physically on top of your game. You know, in the playoffs, I'm worried about the mental and the physical side of it from those, for those three guys tonight. They ask because they are so important to this Florida blue line. Because when you look at Florida's blue line compared to Carolina's, let's be real. Carolina has a little bit better, more depth at the back end than Florida. And they're at, they had those three guys out there for 55 plus minutes in game one. I'm worried a little about that trio uh, on the blue line, on that defense 
for the Florida Panthers here tonight uh, in game two. And then you look at the minutes for Carolina uh, in the last game, not nearly as bad. And got to give Rod Brindamore credit. Um, The highest amount of ice time for any of the blue liners was Brent Burns at 54 minutes, 43 seconds. Uh, After that, you had Jacob Slavin, 51 minutes, 41 seconds. Brady Shea and Brett Pesci, their second pair defensemen, they didn't even crack 50 minutes. Both of them around uh, 48, 47 minutes uh, in game one. So what what I'm trying to say here is I think from a blue line perspective, you know, at least the Hurricanes with their, you know, they got more depth on their blue line than Florida. And the, the ice time dictates that way more balanced. And only Brent Burns and Slavin reached over 50 minutes of ice time. Neither of those guys, by the way, even though they made 50 minutes of ice time, Slavin and Burns, neither of those guys close to what Montour, Forsling, and uh, Ekblad had as far as ice time goes. So to me, there could be a little bit more of a physical toll that game one took on the Florida blue line compared to the Carolina blue line. That's the way I see it, you know, based on the ice time. Like that is a, that's incredible for Montour in particular, like 58 minutes. He almost played like two, uh, you know, a full hockey game. Uh, essentially, you know, of course, which is 60 minutes and he almost played uh, that much. So that's incredible to me. So uh, it's going to be interesting to see how it goes. I that being said, minus 150 is not a price I'm comfortable with here for the Carolina Hurricanes. I'm not, um, even though I think there's reasons to think they can bounce back. That ice time angle matters to me quite a bit, especially when you talk about the defense that you had three key blue liners for Florida play that much. There could be a wear and tear. There could be a hangover effect tonight here in game two. And what do I always say, Alex, when you're tired mentally, you're tired physically, where does it show up? It shows up in the mistakes you make with the puck. Okay. I think that could definitely happen tonight for both sides, but particularly the Florida Panthers. So I'm going to go with the same bet I cashed with in game one from a side perspective, Carolina first period puck line uh, here in this game. Uh, I think in the opening 20 minutes, there is going to be that sense of urgency, beat off the home crowd. I I don't buy into this narrative that, you know, they're completely distraught after losing game one in that fashion. It's one game. I think Carolina is veteran enough. The coach is good enough to instill that in the players. It's one game. As painful as it was, it's one fucking hockey game. You've got to win four games to win this series and get to the Stanley Cup finals, not one. You know, that's, I think, what he's got to hammer home to the Hurricanes if I'm Rod Brindamore. I think Carolina has a strong start tonight. I'll go minus a half, plus 165, first period puck line. To be honest with you, if I'm playing the money line full game, I actually lean Florida because I'm not comfortable at minus 150 in this series. I think it's just too close. This team's playing too well. This team's won seven straight road playoff games, the Florida Panthers, coming into tonight. I I am fading that at minus 150. But I am going to take Carolina first period. The price is better. I like getting that plus money. I think they'll have the uh, strong start. And look, they didn't have a good start in the first period of game one, Carolina, even though they were up one nothing, I thought Florida was their equal in the first period of game one. I think this is definitely a game where Carolina carries the play in game two, first period, like they often do. We often see them have the puck more, you know, have more offensive zone time, ozone time have more shots on goal, have more chances. I think you're going to see that in the first period tonight. So Carolina first period puck line, and I'm definitely jumping on over five and a half tonight. This is a good over spot for me, even though it, you know, both goalies are good. Anderson is, let's be honest with Anderson. 
I've never seen Anderson play that well in a very long time. I thought he was incredible, Alex, in, the, in that overtime especially because Florida got stronger as overtime went on, and Freddie Anderson had to make a couple of tremendous stops to keep that thing going for as long as it did. But this is a guy that's had a lot of injuries, he's played a lot of hockey uh, and a lot of playoff hockey, and he's now going to be 34 very soon. You know, and playing that long in a game like that, you know, uh, that could be a reverberating effect. And even goalie Bob, you know, for as well as he's been, and he's been just spectacular going back to the Boston series at the end. And we know he was amazing against Toronto as well. Bobrovsky's in his mid-30s. These are two goalies in their mid-30s that have played a lot of hockey over the years, and they're coming off a four-overtime marathon. A lot of pucks they faced. What were the shots on goal? Like 60 to 58 or something like that? They both faced a ton of shots. I don't think these goalies, I think these goalies might be feeling a little wear and tear and fatigue. I think these defensemen in front of these two goalies are going to make mistakes because they're a little, again, not as physically and mentally sharp coming off a game like that. And I think that's going to fuel the offense of both of these teams here in game two tonight. So I will also look over five and a half here with uh, Florida and Carolina minus 115 to minus 120 uh, in this game. Uh, Alex, game two, Eastern Conference Finals. Yeah, I'm keeping it simple. I'm going to go with that first period puck line with Carolina. Like I said, they they need to come out hot in this first period, and that's the way they got to look at it. You know, you got to put everything in game one aside. You have to start fresh here, start off with a with a a, a much better opening period. Like I said, you know, Florida dominated uh, most of that first, even though Carolina had the lead. So now, you know, Carolina can kind of build upon that. Okay, we we had the lead in that first period, but we didn't play our best hockey. Now, if we just play a little bit better. Like I said, you know, take advantage of, uh, of what could be a, a tired Florida blue line and, and, and like I said, goaltending at both ends. Uh, that fatigue still might be there early. I think Carolina's solid enough to jump out of there and, and get a lead uh, heading into the, the locker room after 20 minutes. So that's the only thing I'm looking at here. I don't want anything to do with a, with a side. Even if I light something beforehand, when you have a three or four overtime game, something that long, it, it's best to kind of just stay away from that side and, and just evaluate what happens in game and, and make adjustments if necessary. Yeah, yeah, I like that first period puck line as well uh, with Carolina and full game over five and a half. Those are the two pregame bets for me uh, in this game. Yeah, I'm just looking at the numbers right now. 65 shots on goal for Carolina, 60 for Florida uh, in game one. Uh, We saw 57 saves from Freddie Anderson, 63 saves from Sergei Bobrovsky. Uh, in game one, I think it's a great over spot. I really do. I mean, when I look at this game, I think, you know, to me, both goalies have faced a shit ton of shots, a shit ton of rubber. The blue liners, just uh, many of them, especially on the Florida side, 50 minutes, you know, 58 in the case of Montour. Uh, definitely, um, you look at it, um, that's a lot. And that's why I think there's going to be more mistakes. More mistakes, and I can't imagine these goalies being as sharp tonight coming off that kind of workload and that, that those kind of minutes and all that rubber they faced and all that time out there in between the pipes. So uh, that's why, and, the, and again, we're not asking for a six and a half here with this total. It's only five and a half. We're not asking for a ton, you know, and I think there's reasons to think this game can get up and over that uh, total here tonight. Here's another thing I'm going to be looking to do. If Carolina first period puck line cashes in, in that first period, like let's say they're up one nothing, they're up two nothing. I'm probably going to look at some kind of draw or Florida split in the in, live in game because the one thing I will say about Florida, they will never go away. They just won't. Like I'm sure they're feeling it physically after game one, uh, especially those three blue liners I mentioned. But even if they're trailing after the first period tonight, they they just don't go away. They don't quit. They don't quit on any game. 
And so, and we saw them get back into it in game one after being down one, nothing after the first period. So that's probably an approach I will look for here. If Carolina's leading after the first, which of course I'm hoping for, Alex is hoping for, uh, Florida and or draw, and maybe a little on both live bet in the first intermission, you know, that is probably something I'm going to look at uh, here in this game tonight. And then as far as props go, um, look, I've got a lot of series props, but I mean, Carter Verhage, man, you just got to think if, if Florida's going to score goals, you got to start and look at him right now with what he's been doing for the uh, Panthers. Kachuk, after being without a goal against Toronto, got back on the score sheet in game one with the overtime winner. Uh, but definitely Carter Verhage's my the you know I think the best option right now. He's just been consistent. He's been uh, rock solid here for the uh, Florida Panthers throughout uh, these uh, playoffs. On the uh, Carolina side, um, Sebastian Ajo, I think I could see him finding the back of the net plus one eighty uh, tonight. Marty Natchez, by the way, Marty Natchez was shooting the puck a shit ton uh, the last game. I think his shots on goal prop is worth a look too. Over two and a half, minus one fifty uh, to get a point. He's minus one forty five to score a goal, plus two fifteen. So anything Marty Natchez makes sense uh, to me tonight as well uh, in this game. You know who's someone that's actually been really uh, involved more offensively, shooting the puck, and of course he's playing you know a top six role now in this group and up there with Barkov, who finally got on the score sheet the other night. Anthony Duclair, man. Uh, over to, uh, you know, shots on goal for him. It's only one and a half and he's starting to shoot the puck more. He's plus one Oh eight to get a point. If you want to take a little bargain bin shot on the goal prop plus three forty. I mean, Anthony Duclair has definitely been way more noticeable and more involved, uh, in the offense and in the ozone attack for the Florida Panthers here in recent games. So definitely someone to uh, consider as well. Stefan Nason. It seems like he scores most of his goals at home. I'm starting to notice that with Stefan Nason. Does a lot of his damage at home. He's a lot more quiet on the road, but he's at home tonight. So Stefan Nason, not a bad option as well for the uh, Carolina Hurricanes as far as uh, player props go uh, in this one tonight. All right, let's turn our attention to Sunday where we have game two of the Western Conference Finals. Note the note the time. This is not a night game. It's an afternoon game for television purposes. ABC wants you know, a weekend NHL playoff game. And obviously, if it's going to be a non-Stanley Cup Finals playoff game on ABC, it's got to be in the afternoon because apparently ABC just won't put a night game on uh, unless it's the Stanley Cup Finals. So it's on ABC. It's at 3 p.m. Eastern, noon Pacific uh, tomorrow. Uh, Dallas Stars, Vegas Golden Knights, a Sunday afternoon matinee affair. Uh, Dallas, uh, sorry, Vegas, minus 125 home favorites. Five and a half the total. Vegas with the one nothing series lead, of course, after the game one victory uh, over the uh, Dallas Stars. So uh, we'll see how they now. This will be interesting here. Day game. Um, does that help one team over another? I think just off the top of my head, Dallas more than likely played a lot more day games during the regular season uh, than the uh, Vegas Golden Knights. Uh, so it's going to be interesting to see. Uh, how this one goes. Yeah, exactly. Rich H talking about Duclair and Nason. Those, I mean, you want guys that are shooting the puck if you're going to take props, not only shots on goal, but goal props, point props. You want players that are firing the puck at the net, getting their chances, and Duclair and Nason in that Florida-Carolina series. Exactly. That's why their props appeal to me here tonight in game two. But getting back to Dallas-Vegas, um, Vegas got the win, uh, obviously, in game one. Uh, Dallas didn't play, I think, anywhere close to their best. I thought they were badly outplayed in the first, even though they were up one nothing. I thought they were better in the second, but still Vegas, I thought, even had the better play in the second overall. 
Third period, finally, Dallas, I think, was the better team in the third. That was by far Dallas's best period uh, of the hockey game. They ended up tying the game. But for the course of the 60 minutes, I still think Vegas won two of the three periods uh, in regulation time. So you know Dallas can play better. Um, obviously, we have Dallas off a loss, a Dallas team that has not yet lost two consecutive games here in the Stanley Cup playoffs. I, I could probably end this analysis, Alex, with bounce back Ottinger and call it a day. Um, but how on earth do you have the stones to bet against him off a loss right now or this team off a loss uh, at the moment? Uh, going back to the regular season, what is it now? 23 and four for Jake Ottinger off a loss. I believe after a regulate, well, this was an overtime loss, so scratch that. But I think he's undefeated after a regulation loss this year, uh, Jake Ottinger. This is an overtime loss, so that doesn't apply to this uh, because they lost an OT in game one. But still, any loss. Regulation overtime shootout loss. Jake Ottinger, twenty-three and four. You know, after a loss this year uh, for the uh, Dallas Stars. I mean, that that's part of the reason why I like Dallas here, plus one hundred five. But part of it is, look, I don't think we got Dallas's best, especially in the first two periods. Still managed to find a way to have a chance to win that game and get it to overtime, which has to be looked at as a positive. There it is, Jarek Rubel, fifteen and zero after a regulation loss. And I, yeah, I've got it at 23 and four. 23, yeah, 23, yeah. one and four. And, yeah, you know. after a, after a, any loss this year for Jake Ottinger. So, and again, this Dallas team, like I, I truly don't think they played anywhere close to their best. And yet they still somehow got that game to overtime. That's got to be looked at as a positive uh, for the uh, Dallas Stars. So, yeah, I mean, Dallas plus 105 for sure. Uh, I knew I'd be on at the moment that game ended. I'm like, oh, here's Dallas off a loss. Here's Jake Ottinger off a loss where he's almost impenetrable. I mean, look what he did against Seattle, you know, after they lost game six, uh, he nearly shut out the Kraken. You know, it was a late goal with five seconds left, but Dallas had won the game already uh, by that point. He's just been spectacular off a loss. There's no doubt. I don't know what it is, but there's just something in Jake Ottinger, the way he's wired, you know, and that he just gets the best out of himself after a bad game or a loss or a setback. He just puts himself in the frame of mind where I'm not going to lose again, you know, and I'm not going to play like that again. And he's just been spectacular. Uh, in these spots for the uh, Dallas Stars. I think it's encouraging for Dallas that Jason Robertson had a two-point night, a goal and an assist, finally saw the puck go in. Does that open the floodgates for Jason Robertson here moving forward? I'm going to take a guess. I'm going to, and and I'm kind of hedging my bets here a little bit because I faded Jason Robertson in some of these series props, and I mentioned it on Wednesday. I'm a little worried about it now. Maybe he's going to get going now. So I'm going to take Jason Robertson to get a goal here in uh, on Sunday's game too. Kind of hedging my series bets because if he scores, yeah, I'll cash the, the prop for this game, but it'll protect me against some of these series bets I made against Jason Robertson. Uh, so Robertson with Hints and Pavelski, um, and Hints obviously scores again. Two points for Pavelski, and I have Pavelski to be top goal and top point scorer in this series. So two points for Joe Pavelski uh, for Dallas in game one despite the loss. I was very happy to see that. Um, definitely I would say props with any of those three guys are worth a look in this game. Um, you know, you've got March Domi, Sagan, very capable second line, Ben Johnston and Dodonov as a third line is pretty damn impressive, but Vegas, Vegas can match them. I love Vegas as one through four Vegas. I still think I favor them on the blue line, but to me, I like Dallas here in a bounce back situation, uh, plus one Oh five, pretty solid price that you're getting with the Dallas stars. Uh, this is going to be tougher to even the series against Vegas compared to, say, Seattle and Minnesota. 
for the uh, Dallas Stars in the first two rounds. But uh, I definitely think Jake Ottinger, like I say, will make the adjustments. Uh, Jarek has got a great, uh, you know, uh, observation there. Kept going blocker side uh, on Ottinger, so uh, going to be interesting to see. He's a good, he's a good adjustments type of goalie as well. Uh, there's no question in terms of CNA where I was off my game a little bit the last game and then uh, bounces back. Uh, no question. So Dallas for me, plus 105. Like I say, pretty impressive that for as poorly as things went, especially early in the game for Dallas, that they were still one shot away from winning that game in overtime. So Stars probably play better. I am fully confident their goalie will play better because he always does in these spots. So Dallas plus 105 for me. I was on the over in game one. I still think push comes to shove. This could be like Dallas-Seattle a little bit where that that total is just at five and a half the whole series, and it's just you know a little bit undervalued, and you could see multiple overs, but I don't like it as much because obviously in these games where Jake Ottinger usually bounces back, uh, we have seen some unders. Look at the game seven, obviously, with uh, Dallas and Seattle. So I don't love the over as much. I just lean that way here for uh, game two. My primary bet is obviously the Stars here, plus 105. And I wouldn't even talk anyone out of a Stars first period uh, puck line potentially to maybe get on the uh, score sheet early and maybe uh, also have the lead after the first 20 minutes. Uh, Alex, game two, Western Conference Finals, a little daytime matinee action on Sunday, Dallas, Vegas. Yeah, and like you mentioned, you know, Dallas has played more day games during the regular season in Vegas. I think this is kind of a, a, a edge slightly to Dallas, even though they're on the road. But I think that early start time for Vegas could be uh, a slightly tricky. And I think Dallas would be able to navigate that. And like I said, I love Vegas in game one. Uh, and I was hinging on, like I said, looking at Dallas with here in game two. So getting plus 105, I'll grab that uh, as soon as they popped up. And I would grab that now because before puck drop, this will probably flip. And I could see where Dallas might end up possibly being favored in the spot here. Uh, like I said, you know, Ottinger, I think people are just now starting to realize Ottinger's, you know, one of those top-tier goalies off of a loss. And uh, the more that that gets talked about, the more people will be tracking it and following that and, and looking to back that. So I'm going with Dallas in, uh, in game two and uh, just sticking with everything else that I have uh, futures-wise. That's the only thing I'm just going to add for right now. It, it's uncanny, too, that when the team needs a win, and obviously Dallas would really like a win. I mean, they're even if they somehow lose for the first time in the playoffs, two in a row, and go down two nothing, going back to Dallas, they're definitely still not out of it. Uh, they're still uh, they could still come back and win the series, but they obviously like to get a split uh, here in Vegas. And uh, certainly the track record is they've been great off a loss. But at the same point in time, I'm gonna I'm gonna stick to it with Pavelski here. Find a way to bet some Pavelski props. It seems like when a team needs a win in a very important game in the postseason, that guy just finds a way to make it happen, make an impact, score a big goal, make a big play. So it's it's uncanny that when the team needs him the most, he rises to the occasion. So uh, any Joe Pavelski props, definitely I would uh, look toward that potentially uh, in this one uh, for sure. Um, we'll see how it goes. Both teams to score first period in the, uh, for Rich. Um, see, I'm not crazy about that because Ottinger, I think, always plays so well. Uh, after a game, I could see him not giving up anything in the first period, but you're definitely going to get a good price with that. No doubt about that. If you like that first period of uh, both teams to score, but very interesting uh, matchup there. Game two tomorrow, Dallas undefeated this year after a playoff loss. We'll see if they can keep that streak going. But like I said, keeping it going here against Vegas is going to be a lot more difficult than it was in the first two rounds for the uh, Dallas stars. Uh, all right. Great stuff. That is the uh, weekend. Conference final 
uh, betting previews right there. Game two of the Eastern and the Western Conference Finals. A reminder, we have no more shows on Sundays uh, for the rest of the season, but we will be back on Monday, uh, 2 p.m. Eastern. Uh, looking forward to that. We have a busy week of guests as well. We've got uh, player guests the next three shows, Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday. We have Nick Minerva joining us Monday. We've got uh, Nikki Kaszurski's back, one of our uh, favorites, uh, on Tuesday. And finally, Alex is going to have a chance to uh, chat with him as well here. And also going to have Sammy P uh, joining yep. us on Tuesday. So we're going to have two guests joining us on the uh, Tuesday show. Uh, looking forward to that. Uh, and then we got another guest Wednesday. So excited about that. And again, also excited about not one, but two conference finals betcasts coming up this week. Uh, looking forward to that. We've got Wednesday game number four of the uh, Eastern Conference Finals between the uh, Florida Panthers and Carolina Hurricanes. That's going to be Wednesday, uh, May the 24th uh, at 8 o'clock p.m. Eastern time. Uh, we're going to have the uh, next BetCast. I'm just going to put it up. There we go. Wednesday, May 24th, 8 o'clock p.m. Eastern time. Note the start time. All our BetCasts have been 7 p.m. Well, of course, this is 8 o'clock p.m. Eastern because that's when the game begins. So game four, uh, Florida-Carolina. Wednesday night, May 24th. Make sure you join us for that live betting and commentary at me, Alex, and, and all of our viewers and listeners that join us. Drinking and Courage, DM me at Bobano on Twitter or email Bobano350 at gmail.com uh, to request a spot on the BetCast, and we will send you the link before it begins. And in addition to that Wednesday BetCast, we also have next Saturday, May 27, 8 p.m. Eastern, which will be Game 5 of the Western Conference Finals, uh, Dallas and Vegas, ABC primetime game uh, next Saturday night. So uh, make sure uh, you join us for that one as well. So two conference finals betcasts coming up in the next week uh, right here on the uh, Ice Guys. Uh, definitely looking forward to that. All right, great stuff. Make sure you're checking out patreon.com slash Ice Guys. Just $10 a month, goalie charts, totals charts, power ratings, daily Ice Guys show, betting card, bonus video content. We've got another one uh, I'm uploading in terms of the bonus video content uh, this afternoon. So uh, make sure you check that out, patreon.com slash Ice Guys, just $10 a month. Also check out the Ice Guys store, iceguys.myspreadshop.com. 15% off of everything for the next four days. As soon as you go to the, uh, the site, just click that link uh, right on top and redeem that coupon and you can get 15% off everything. We got shirts, we got caps, I think everything's in stock right now too. So uh, it's a great time to shop there. Check out the Ice Guys store. That's iceguys.myspreadshop.com. I think Rich H is already confirming that he's in for the BetCast on Wednesday night. He says, no work Wednesday. Woohoo. So there nice. you go. Right. Probably will be seeing Rich H then in the uh, BetCast on uh, Wednesday night. Uh, all right. Great stuff. Um, 90 viewers hit the like button. Uh, everyone on the podcast listening, we appreciate you tuning in as well. Back to wrap up the show with best bets right after we hear from Manscaped. Support for the Ice Guys is brought to you by Manscaped, who is the best in men's below-the-waist grooming. Their products are precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. Manscaped's performance package, the ultimate men's hygiene bundle. Join over 7 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped with this exclusive offer for you. 20% off and free worldwide shipping with the promo code ICEGUYS. That's promo code I-C-E-G-U-Y-S at manscaped.com. If my math is correct, it's about 14 million balls that you can preserve. The Performance Package 4.0 is the complete accessory package to take care of everything that is required. You've got, of course, the Lawnmower 4.0 takes care of your facial hair uh, and among other things. Uh, you've got, of course, the Weed Whacker. I'm approaching 40. 
Nose hair has become a major issue. It pisses the hell out of me. I need to take care of that shit. And the Weed Whacker can help you do that. Both of these products, waterproof and a 4000K LED spotlight for a more precise shave. And you'll also be able to take care of those delicate areas with the ball toner, with the ball deodorant, keep you smelling good, looking good, and feeling good down in the nether regions. This complete performance package 4.0, We'll take care of everything for you, for all you guys out there. And it's courtesy of our good friends at Manscaped.com. So get 20% off and free shipping with the promo code ICEGUYS at Manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at Manscaped.com. And use promo code ICEGUYS. Unlock your confidence and always use the right tools for the job with Manscaped. All right, it is time for best bets to wrap things up uh, for our weekend edition of the Ice Guys. Alex, we'll start with you. What do you like for best bet? Yeah, let's go with tomorrow. Uh, Dallas Stars plus 105 in game two. Uh, like I said, you know, Ottinger has been absolutely remarkable off of a loss. This Dallas team showed the, the mark of resiliency, even forcing overtime in game one. Uh, it, it wasn't that bad of a loss. I think they'll be able to bounce back and get the job done and even this series up. So, Dallas Stars plus 105 uh, in game two on Sunday afternoon. That's my best bet for the weekend. All right, Dallas plus 105 against Vegas. In game two, Sunday afternoon, Western Conference Finals. Best bet for Alex B. Smith. Uh, My best bet, I'm going to go to the game tonight. Uh, Florida, Carolina on this Saturday night. Over five and a half, minus 115. Uh, Bet online's got that price with it. Um, We're not asking for a shootout. What we're asking for is both defenses to be tired. You're talking about three of the best blue liners on the Florida Panthers that played 55 or more minutes in game one. That could lead to physical and mental mistakes that you don't normally see from them coming off that kind of workload. Carolina could pounce on that. And even on the flip side, for as good as Carolina's blue line is, you know, you could see a few more mistakes in their game with the puck coming off all the amount of time they spent on the ice in game one in that four overtime marathon. And I don't expect either goalie to be nearly as sharp tonight either Freddie Anderson or Sergei Bobrovsky uh, in this game and I think it leads to a few more goals than expected Uh, let's go with the over in game two tonight Eastern Conference Finals Florida Carolina over five and a half minus 115 for my best bet that'll wrap up this edition of the Ice Guys thanks to everyone in the chat for joining us hit the like button we appreciate it very much And, and again we're back Monday for the next edition of the show. A reminder, the Ice Guys is live Monday to Friday, 2 p.m. Eastern, Saturdays at noon Eastern. If you can't watch the show live, download the Ice Guys podcast in audio form on all major podcast platforms, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Amazon Music, and more. Download the Ice Guys podcast if you can't watch the show live. Special shout-out to Jarek Rubel. I retweeted a couple of his play-by-play clips from last night's Game 1, Vegas, Dallas. Another great job. Uh, Jarek, as we keep on pushing to get him to the National Hockey League uh, at some point uh, in his broadcasting career. Great stuff for Alex B. Smith. I'm Ian Cameron. Have a great weekend. Enjoy game two of the conference finals. And we'll be back with you on Monday at 2 p.m. Eastern for another edition of the Ice Guys presented by National Hockey Now. (laughs) 